0: This is the Healthy Sensitive, episode 22. Welcome everyone to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive people trying to find a way to live big, develop to their full potential, all while keeping their physical, emotional, mental, and even spiritual well being intact. Well, at least that's our attempt anyway. (laughs) I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show, and today I'm going to talk a bit about beauty. Or, more specifically, I'm going to talk about our need for beauty, creativity, order and balance in our lives. Uh, For those just jumping into the podcast, as a quick FYI, I've been spending these last episodes talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and I'm using it as a kind of outline to map out what self-actualization could look like and what it requires. Um, To be sure, Maslow's template is hardly the only one out there, and we'll be talking about many more of them as we go on. Uh, but it's a useful model. Uh, it's a visual that's en- a- whose aim is to help people sort of get a sense of, uh, like in a tangible way, what self-actualization really entails. Uh, Maslow put it in the form of a pyramid, where at the base of the pyramid you have sort of those baseline needs that need to be met, all the way up to the tippy top, which is that sort of transcendent self-actualization experience. So anyway, so far we've touched on physical needs, which again, that's at the baseline. Uh, food water rest we've talked about safety needs, you know shelter, security, predictability uh we've talked about the sense you know the need for relationships or to at least feel like there is uh like an emotional connection with another person, um not just romantic, of course, but just in general, we are social creatures we've talked about self esteem needs, feeling like you need to have a sense of self esteem. And uh, finally, last week we talked about, or, you know, the last episode we talked about cognitive needs, uh, the need to, you know, have your curiosity met, to go seek and explore. Um, So today is next on Maslow's Ladder, and it's all about uh, beauty. Now, in my research on this topic, what I thought was really interesting was my initial aversion to it. There's something about a conversation about beauty that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Uh, Personally, when I think about beauty, I think about materialism and consumerism. I think about women trying to gumby their way toward a love affair by bending over backwards to cultivate a near-impossible standard of beauty for themselves. I'm relieved to say, however, that this is not what the author meant when he suggested we need beauty in our lives. Instead, the need for beauty has more to do with our need to capture beauty. It's the sensation you get when you see an extraordinary sunset and you yearn to share that experience with another person. It's the desire to marvel at something. The need for beauty and balance in life is akin to the need to live and not merely survive. This desire can manifest differently for any person and every person, but to give you some examples from my own experience, I'm fed in this area when I listen to a particularly powerful song, whether it's Adele, who can move me to tears, Florence and the Machine, who can drown me, Passenger, who can set me free, Josier, uh, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it, but uh, he seduces me. In any of those cases, really, the experience is the same. It's surrender. I can lose myself in a song. I can feel like I'm getting fed in this way when I'm standing in front of a breathtaking painting. I was in Boston a couple of years ago and I walked into an art museum and just happened upon a painting of Adam and Eve being cast out of Eden. The colors were luscious. The scene captured me. I must have stared at that thing for probably 10 minutes straight, which is a significant amount of time when you consider what it must look like to watch someone stand in one place for 10 minutes. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, I'll feel this when I'm reading an exceptionally moving excerpt from a book or a poem. Um, to this day, Elizabeth Gilbert's description of loneliness and depression can move me toward the same bathroom floor she had to peel herself off from. Uh, I read an excerpt from a book once, I think it was The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. She wrote, I used to think I wanted to be loved and admired. Now I think I would just like to be known. To, well, I actually didn't read that. I listened to it because I'm a huge audiobook fan and I heard that line and I rewound it over and over and over again because I just kept thinking, yes, yes, that's me. That's what I'm craving. I don't just want to be loved. I mean, I've, I'm a, I'm good at figuring out how to get people to love me. I want to show people who I really am. I want to be known. Um, I watch a particularly good episode of a sitcom and I'll feel fed in this way. Um, Examples that come to mind, uh, Sex and the City, (laughs) yes, full disclosure, I'm bringing that up. Uh, You know, like when I'm going through some of my relationship woes, there's just something really fun about seeing it plastered on the TV and go, yes, I know that this is like a caricature of what the reality is out there. But yeah, that's me. And even more than that, when I get to share it with another friend of mine, uh, who also was watching it, whether it's sex in the city, how I met your mother or whatever, it's just like, ah, yes, that's exactly it. And we're quoting from these, you know, these ridiculous lines. I mean, (laughs) I tease people and say, my God given the amount of bandwidth i've got taken up from movie lines and show sitcoms i mean i might have had the space in there to cure cancer but unfortunately it's getting used up by you know <laughs> like the real estate is used up but i don't regret it because you know it it's it's beautiful it feeds me we need this kind of beauty because it reminds us of what it is to hunger it reminds us of what it is to delight and most importantly, it reminds us of what connects us all together. Art can move us. That emotional response is something we can all relate to. So art, quite simply, is what we decorate our lives with. But it turns out, beauty and art are not only purely decorative. They have actual, tangible health benefits, which when you're hosting a show called The Healthy Sensitive is kind of important. So... (laughs) Uh, in 2010, in an article published by the American Journal of Public Health, they put out a review that compiled over 100 studies about the connection between creativity and health, and they came to some pretty interesting conclusions. Uh, art could help in reducing anxiety and depressive thoughts, it could reduce one's preoccupation with an illness if they should have one, and it didn't seem to matter so much what kind of art was practiced. So. Music reduced pain in cancer patients. Visual arts helped cancer patients cultivate a better self identity, even with cancer diagnosis, and it helped reduce their anxiety around it. Movement, such as Tai Chi, helped improve mobility and quality of life. Writing about difficult experiences produced a sense of, uh, like, reduced the production of cortisol, and it helped them, you know, improve their capacity to deal with challenging emotions. And in case you don't know, cortisol is that delightful stress hormone that makes us, oh, so very difficult to deal with. You know, when you're in the middle of a tantrum or you feel, quote, triggered, that's your cortisol talking. So, why talk about this in a podcast about highly sensitive people? As a rule, highly sensitive people tend to be pretty darn creative. Part of the reason for this seems to be their depth of experience and feeling. Also, they're picking up on a lot of data. Having a creative outlet helps highly sensitive people process that data more effectively. It might help to think of it this way. In life, we're all bombarded with information. It's our job to derive meaning from it. Like a miner digging for gold, it is our job to tease out the muck from the nuggets of value. For a highly sensitive person, having a creative outlet is like being given a sifter. It allows one to dig through more efficiently and more easily parcel out what is of value and what can be permitted to slip through the cracks. It's kind of interesting, really. I'm fairly certain my mom is a highly sensitive person. She's incredibly artistic. She can craft jewelry, paint a mural, you name it. My niece is similar. She was drawing long before she was writing. I assure you, she is doing a much better job of it than I am even doing today. So, (laughs) um, in my case, my own creativity stayed firmly camped in writing. I love to write. Things I cannot say out loud become easy to express with the written word. Um, It helps me detangle all of the wild machinations I might otherwise drive myself crazy trying to tease apart. Um, Some of this writing is public. I do have a blog on my website uh, www.thehealthysensitive.com but a lot of it is private. I've kept journals since I was eight years old. To this day, I love going back into those pages and getting a glimpse of the struggles I had as a child and comparing them to the troubles I have today. In some ways, it's kind of neat because I've grown. In others, though, I feel like I'm still treading water. It's fun to see the areas where my psyche is clean. You know, Personal self-care, for example, is something I've gotten pretty good at uh, and those areas where I'm floundering. I still really struggle when it comes to my romantic relationships. I don't think I'm necessarily any better now than I was at 16, or at least I'm not any more masterful. To be clear, nearly all people appreciate art. So I'm not saying that sensitive people are better artists or more likely to appreciate it. I'm just saying highly sensitive people seem to need it with a bit more desperation. (laughs) so it's again it's not really up for debate to say that art is you know valuable for all people, but for a highly sensitive person, it can feel like a food group it's a necessary ingredient to life and one that is required in order to really thrive um, and I know I've talked about this last week, but just as a sort of example of again another uh, you know I, I was I've been kind of coming back up from for air from what was starting to look like a depression. Uh, In order to dig myself out and sort of, you know, be a little bit more proactive and not wait until I'm, you know, floundering and drowning in the waters of sadness, um, I I started move, you know, I got to work a bit more quickly. So I started to move. Uh, I started to eat better food. I started to meditate. You know, all the stuff I mentioned in the last podcast, so forgive me if this feels like a repeat. But I also started to read again. So I was in a bookstore, and I picked up a book called Eat, Pray, Love, Made Me Do It. I think you may have guessed by now, I am a huge fan of Elizabeth Gilbert, as evidenced by my frequent citing of her work. Um, (laughs) So I used to have her book on my nightstand, the way most people keep a religious text, like a Bible. This book, though, was a compilation of many stories for those who'd read her book, gotten inspired and started their journey toward their own salvation from hardship. So each morning I was getting up, I practiced my yoga therapy sequence, I engaged in some meditation, did some visu- visualization and exercise, did some journaling, uh, and also would pick up this book and just read a segment. With every narrative, I felt a little more bold. With every voice that I read, I felt like I started to hear my own more clearly. This is the power of art and beauty. When we're brave enough to capture the extraordinary moments of our seemingly ordinary lives and share it with others, we remind others of just how worth celebrating our lives really are. That is why we need beauty. We need it as a reminder of how important it is to cherish our lives. It's also important for fun. You know, when we see something beautiful, I was just sitting here in my car and, uh, you know, watching as a young-ish girl was walking down the street, and she pulled out her phone and she took a picture of a flower, and she just looked so mesmerized by it and captivated by it. And I just loved watching this whole thing unfold. She took a picture and then she went on her way. Uh, I felt a little bit like a spy or of wear. <laughs> but it's there. It was exactly you know I was just setting up to to do this session, and I thought, yes, that's it. That need, and you know, it wasn't her taking a selfie. It wasn't her trying to be egoic. It was just look, it's a flower. How lovely. You know, it's the you know, this need for beauty is the difference between mating in order to reproduce and making love for the simple, you know, opportunity of connection. You know, sexual reproduction isn't all that sexy as it turns out. I mean, if you really think about the movements, just saying, just saying, I mean, it's kind of comical really, but it can feel luscious and it can feel beautiful. It's when we take the time to slow down, And appreciate a moment-to-moment experience that, once again, we thrive. So uh, that's more or less it for today. I kind of got everything out that I wanted to get out. Uh, But before we go, a couple of things to chew on. I would love to know what your relationship with beauty is and with creativity and all of that. You know, are there any examples you can think of uh, that you like to practice? Or maybe some that you merely appreciate and like to observe or absorb. You know, what's your relationship to art and to beauty and to balance? What does that mean to you? love to hear. Um, And as always, if you do want to share, please, please do. Uh, You can reach me a few ways. You can catch me on my website at www.thehealthysensitive.com. You can also email me directly at Leah Burkhardt healthysensitive.com You're also welcome to follow me on my Facebook page and I bet you you guessed it uh, The Healthy Sensitives (laughs) So you can catch me any of those ways All are welcome Also, uh, I think I've mentioned in the past that I'm a wellness coach, a life coach and a facilitator Uh, I have a remote course coming up It's called Learning to Love as a Healthy Sensitive It's remote, so I'll be facilitating it through Zoom in it, I'll be talking about how to navigate relationships as a highly sensitive person. Uh, we'll talk about how to engage in conflicts effectively and stay grounded even when your head is buzzing with discomfort. Uh, how to get clear on and meet your own needs even as you negotiate with your partner about his or hers. Uh, getting clear on when it's appropriate to do the work of loving a person or when it might be more appropriate to stop working so hard you know being able to discern the difference between uh, well a labor of love and unnecessary suffering (laughs) Um, for those who are not currently in a romantic relationship we'll talk about how to start getting clear about what you want in a partner so that you can be more successful uh, with discernment you know between the kinds of people you want to be your perspective partner. I notice with high, highly sensitive people, it's really common for them to uh, unconsciously almost uh, become enamored with another person and start to adapt to what they believe the other person wants to see. It's a combination of, uh, you know, wanting to please. We are people pleasers. And also, I mean, a genuine desire and curiosity to see what it feels like to try that on. And we do it very uh, unconsciously as a rule. I mean, not all highly sensitive people do this thing, but, you know, so it's, if you're interested in this course, it's not just for those who are in a romantic relationship, but it's also, it's for those who are in one and want to really make their relationship thrive and figure out how to navigate relationships as a highly sensitive person, since it seems to be an area that uh, a lot of those I've been talking to struggle with. Um, you know, this idea of like, how do I meet my own needs and their needs, and how do I know when it's appropriate to meet either one? So, yeah, it's for those folks, but it's also for you if it's like, hey, I want a partner, but I'm a little like i I, I really feel like I'm not you know the dating scene is is overwhelming, and i I don't know how to navigate it. Um, you know, this will help you get really clear about how, you know how to be a better picker of prospective partners. <laughs> and of course, most importantly, We'll talk about how to fall in love with yourself, because really, that's the most important relationship you can have anyway. Um, If you're curious about the details, um, the session will be about 60 minutes, uh, and I'll definitely leave some time afterward for questions for those who want to stay longer. Um, It's ordinarily $47 for admittance um, if you want to sign up, but I'm offering it for $27 if you sign up and mention you heard about it from this podcast. Uh, space is limited, as I don't want it to feel too overwhelming with a cloud of faces, and I have a few who have already signed up, so do let me know how, like fairly soon if you're interested. Uh, it's set for March 17th. Yay, St. Patrick's Day! Uh, so you've got a little bit of time before, you know, you've got some time to plan it. It's not happening next week or anything. Um, so again, uh, oh, and it'll be at 2 p.m. Pacific time, so that's 5 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, once again, the session's going to be set for, in terms of like the, the, infor- the informative part of it, it'll be about 60 minutes long. Uh, if you want to stay longer, I'm leaving the space open for as long as two hours. So if there's, if, if, whoever wants to stay longer, if they want to do a question and answer, that's great. I'm, I'm not in any rush, but uh, for those who are just like, are you kidding me? Two hours, I'm out. <laughs> that's no problem. Uh, and it's $27 if you uh, say that you heard about it from this podcast. March 17th, 2 p.m. Pacific time. I'll also be advertising this on my Facebook page. Anyway, next week, or rather next series, since I'm doing this uh, biweekly, that seems to be most effective. Otherwise, too frequent and people start going, ah, stop it! Next week, I'll be continuing on this track, and I'll be talking about self-actualization needs and what that might look like for a highly sensitive person. So we're wrapping this up, folks, finally getting through Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, In case you're getting tired of hearing about them, we will be finally wrapping up the nice bow and moving on. I hope you're having a fabulous day. Enjoy the rest of your day, night, whatever, whatever time you happen to be listening. Uh, I'm posting this on a Friday, so if you happen to be listening today, have a great weekend. Just have a fabulous day, no matter what's happening right now. (laughs) Take good care. This is the Healthy Sensitive, episode 22.